Are you expecting that the Lord's going to minister to you tonight? All right, good. He meets us where we're at and where our faith is at. And He is faithful to do exactly like He's promised. His mercies, how many are so glad His mercies are new every morning? Every morning. morning. They're not exhausted. He's full of faithful love, full of kindness. And I just, um, it's so amazing how, how... the kindness of God will, will touch you if you will open yourself up to it. Say, Lord, show me your kindness. Help me to be kind like you. See, that's something I pray. Help me to be kind like you are. All right, turn in your Bible with me over to Luke chapter 5, if you haven't memorized Luke chapter 5, verse 12 yet. And we are going to continue tonight in a series that we've been in for, this is the 16th part of this series, 16th Sermon. You can find them all online. If you haven't been here with us before, you can go online. They're all free, and you can uh, catch up with where we're at now. We covered 24 reasons on why we believe that it is God's will to heal everybody, and that it's established in, in His Word and by what Jesus did. And so here in Luke chapter 5, this has kind of been the, the text that has um, started us in this whole, in this whole subject. And in verse 12 it says, While he was in one of the towns, a man was there who had a serious skin disease all over him. He saw Jesus, fell face down, and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, he touched him and said, I am willing, be made clean, and immediately the disease left him. So here we see the question this man asks is, if you are willing. The question was, Lord, are you willing? He knew the Lord was able because the Lord can do anything we say, right? So he, wasn't sure, he knew the Lord could, he just didn't know if the Lord wanted to. Or if that was the Lord's will for him. And this is a question that I think is settled in this house, yet many believers around the world, this is a question that they truly have. They don't know if it's the Lord's will to heal me or not. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So we went through 24 reasons, and and I'm not going to expound on them. I'm just going to list them very quickly, and you can find these all online. Some sermons are one reason, other sermons are several reasons per sermon, so you'll just have to uh, go through it. God's Word is medicine. A strong spirit will sustain you because of God's original creation. God's will in heaven and the new creation that is to come. The origin of sickness is reason number five. Number six, because sickness is a work of the devil. Number seven, Jehovah Rapha, an eternal name of God. I am the Lord who heals you. Number eight, God's covenant of healing. We saw sickness as a part of the curse of the law. And then we also saw that Jesus redeemed us from the curse of the law. Delivered us from that. We believe in healing because of Job. Isn't that wild? Because of Job. He's one of our reasons. Because of the types of healing or no, healing that were in the types of redemption in the Old Covenant. And then there's healing in the actual redemption that we see what Jesus did at the cross. We asked and answered the question about Paul's thorn in his flesh. 
We know that healing is, is the will of God because of the resurrection. Reason number 15, because God is our good Father. Number 16, because healing is the children's bread. Number 17, the mercy of God. How often did they come to Jesus and ask for mercy? Many times. And then He always granted it to them by healing them. Healing is a mercy. And God is merciful. Merciful. Someone say, He is merciful. merciful. You know, there's, there's, I think there's somebody here that you're struggling with receiving the mercifulness of the Lord. You know, He's so full of mercy that when the blood of Jesus washes away your sin, He no longer remembers it. It doesn't matter if it was 20 minutes ago or if it was 20 years ago. He doesn't remember it. It's removed as far as the east is from the west. Well, how far is that? Right? You can't find the other end. So it's completely gone. So the Lord is merciful. And if you're struggling with something and you feel like, man, you know, I deserve this. Yeah, you're right. We all do. We've all blown it enough to deserve death 12 times over, all right? But bless God for His mercifulness that we are delivered from that. And you don't have to live under a sentence of death or condemnation because He is merciful. So if you've missed it in an area, just come back, come, come to the Lord. Ask Him to help you walk this out in purity, in holiness, in righteousness. And He has made you to be righteous. Merciful. They're new every morning. Alright. Father, I thank You. Thank You for being so merciful. Thank You for being patient, (laughs) long-suffering, kind. So amazingly kind. Thank You that every morning when we wake up, that Your mercies are at full strength again. (laughs) Full strength again, Lord. We receive that. Someone just say, I receive Your mercy. Alright, you said it, so you received it. Now we can go on. Number 18, reason why we believe that healing is the will of God is because Jesus gave us authority over sickness and disease. Authority over demons and disease. Also, because of the doctrine of laying on of hands. And then, to go with that, is faith. Just simple, everyday faith. Believing the Word of God and His promises to you will get you across and through the darkest valley, the worst disease, whatever it is. Then we looked at the question and answered it, what about doctors and medicine? How to be in faith. How to be led in that. Reason number 21 is the continuing ministry of Jesus. That would be healing in the early church. After Jesus had gone on and ascended, yet the continuing ministry of Jesus went on in in our church. Because the early church is our church. Reason number 22. Man, I sure thought I'd have got a lot more amens on that. Yeah, the early church is our church. See, we're a part of the same Spirit of Christ. The same body of Christ. His body in the earth today is still here. That's you and me. And the church up the street and anyone who 
professes the name of Jesus and believes, right? Believes, not just says the name, but believes. All right, make sure I'm in the right place tonight. Number 23, Acts 22. Uh, Number 22 is because of signs and wonders or the gifts of healing that you find in 1 Corinthians 12. And then number 23 is because we're instructed to pray for healing. And why would the Lord tell us to pray and ask for something that were not possible? That might not be the Lord's will. Yet we know that it is His will to heal us. He told us pray and ask for healing. And number 24... Last week, we covered these two, and that is the all-inclusive promises of God, the whosoever promises, the promises that say, if you ask the Father anything in my name, He will do it for you, all-inclusive promises. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven, is how the one translation said it. So tonight, we're going to go even further with it, and we're going to look at reason number 25. And it's a something, this particular reason is something it applies to all of us. Some of us are probably more interested in it than others, mainly because of the number or the, our, our date that we were born, how experienced we are. Some are young enough that they think, well, I don't need that yet. Oh, but we all need it. We are certain that healing is God's will for everyone because He has promised us long life. Long life. Everyone say long life. life. Did you know God's will is for you to live long? For you to live a long, full, good life. That's what the Lord wants for you. And if you for some reason have had it in your head that I'm going to die young, I'm going to die before I'm an old person, that is a lie of the enemy. It's one of two things. It's either the enemy lying to you, and if you believe it, you give that right of way into your life. If it's not the enemy, if it's the Lord telling it to you, then He's telling it to you so that you can do something about it. And we're going to see that later on tonight, that there's not a set time and date for you to die. There's not a, when your number is up, it's up, and there's nothing you can do about it. That is a lie of the enemy, and the enemy uses that. If you'll agree to it, now he has rights to do that. So it's important that our thinking be renewed on this subject of long life. That our thinking, that we think in an abundance mindset when it comes to being aged and still full of vigor. Right, I was listening to a sermon by uh, um, Jerry Savelle. In fact, Robin had sent it to me. And he said something. He was talking about long life. And he said something that I thought was really good. He said, a lot of older people have a poverty mindset when it comes to old age. And they begin to hang on to things. And they begin to just lay it out in front of them. Well, I'm no longer going to be able to do this. And you know, at 40, your eyes get worse. And at this, this happens. And they begin to have a poverty mindset rather than the abundant mindset that the Lord has made available to us for being in old age. You know, Paul is a good example of this. He's smiling because he knows what I'm thinking of. But he's a good example of this. In fact, Paul has, has told me on numerous occasions, he told me the same story, and I never get tired of hearing it. And he will always say it this way. He said, you know, it's not how old you are. Okay, Paul, you just tell us. Because I don't want to butcher it. 
Well, you put me on the spot here. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. Oh, you mean the part I said, I got it figured out. If you act your age, you go downhill fast. Yeah, that part. That part. That part. And I think that's true. So, so, so tell us a story, just real quick, in a couple sentences, if you can, about how um, you didn't act your age. Oh, you mean when my uh, one son took the small V8 out of my 68 Impala convertible and put a big V8 in. So we all go down to 422 near Shillington like everybody did. And my nephew comes down with his Nova. My youngest son comes down with his 64 Nova with a V8 in. My other son goes with me. Everybody goes out 422 and burns out. <laughs> I knew I was going to get a ticket when I got in the car. So... <laughs> I did it anyway. So, of course, I got stopped. And the cop said, you know, driver's license, you know, and owners. And he said to me, he said, were you really born in 1946? I said, yeah, why? He said, well, maybe you ought to go over to Maple Grove, you know. <laughs> and this is what my son said. Where were you sitting? He said, the car that had a stop in 422. Everybody was doing this. Done. No. The young guys. But anyway. And my son says to him, I guess you couldn't see us because of all the smoke. <laughs> I whispered to Jim, will you be quiet? <laughs> but any, anyway, people gave me money for the ticket. They really said it was a great show. <laughs> so I got over my fine pay. I got over uh. half my fine paid. My wife comes home. Sandy comes home from worship practice. That was at the worship center. And I told her I got stopped. She said, was it worth it? I said, you better believe it. The crowd, <laughs> I said, the crowd was cheering for me. People lined up along the road. So she told me, if you did it, just sign it and pay the fine. I said, okay. That's only one occasion. <laughs> so, so as you can see, 74 years old on him looks really good, doesn't it? Yeah, thank you. And I, I was telling Jacob the other night, I think it was Jacob, that I'm going to be like Paul at 74, full of energy and life and like people going, no, well, that's 74? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, Moses, he was really old. And it said that his eyes didn't get weak and he was still full of vigor. And Caleb, he was 85 years old and whooping giants and said he was just as strong and quick and fast and everything as when he was 40. And so... Paul is a good example to all of us to know that there is more available to us. I mean, Paul, you know, the, the devil tried to take him out. He had stage four cancer, right? Well, it was prostate cancer in a weight. Okay. And they wouldn't, they, they sent me up to Hershey Medical. I came back, they said, we're not touching you. It's outside of the prostate. So I got... I'm glad we came to CWI. Taught a lot of healing. That was in 08. So I got anointed with the pastors here back in 08. But Sandy and myself, we were so impressed to go through the treatments. So I had 43... Do you want me to keep going? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and remember that part where we talked about doctors and medicine and to be led. It's really important. Be led. What's the Lord telling you? Take the treatment, not take it. In this case, they felt like the Lord was telling them to take it. So, but um, I had 43 radiation treatments. Never got burned. And I'd go in there to the Lancaster Health Campus and the 
the specialist would say, how's your energy level, Paul? I said, good. He said, aren't you tired? I said, no. I said, I go to work from here because I have my appointment at 8, and then I work when I get home. And I had to take one pill. I think it was one, was it once a day? I forget. But anyway, it's back in 08. But anyway, Sandy wouldn't show me the side effects. And after, she said, I'll show them to you when they're done. Suicidal was a big one. I laughed at everything. <laughs> my, kids, my kids told me, Dad, it isn't funny anymore. <laughs> and but everything was funny. I really enjoyed that pill. <laughs> and I went back to the specialist later on, and he said, I don't know how many times, he said, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. That's what I said. Hey, Doc, you know why I come to you? He said, no, why? Well, I said, to get a good report. <laughs> he was so, sometimes he didn't know what to say. But that was in 08, and it was severe. So I am glad God is still a healer. Yeah. We, we did a lot of the verses. Pastor Sid said, you know, when two agree and ask me for anything, ask for anything in my name and I will do it for you. And what's bond on earth is bond in heaven. And what I used to say before I took every pill, every treatment, let's see if I can remember this. I'd say, Father, in the name of Jesus, this body will not accept any side effects from if radiation or the pill. In the name of Jesus, this body will not accept. This body will only accept what this was designed to do. Mm -hmm. So, and, you, and it never, radiation, no, no burns, it never did anything to my plumbing, if you know what I mean. But anyway, <laughs> I mean, it's like I didn't even have radiation. So, I just pray, I thank the Lord every day. Because if it, yeah, I'm just glad we came to, we were coming to a church. I mean, the other church did believe in healing, but this one was a little bit stronger. So. Amen. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> Full of vigor and vitality. Now listen, if you're planning on living a long time, you're going to need to know about healing. Just like him, what would have been a death sentence to many wasn't to him because of the promises of God. And his days are being added to and stretched out and lengthened. You know, my wife had an aunt that she always said that she wouldn't live beyond how old? Probably wouldn't live to her 60th birthday. Said that through the years many times. And um, she ended up getting breast cancer and never made her 60th birthday. And she got exactly what she said. So the words that we say and what we believe is really important. And, you know, for myself, I used to believe that I would die young. And I didn't realize that was a lie, you know, that the enemy had fed me. And I just believed it. My father was killed when he was 23 or 24. And, um, and then 11 years later, my uncle, who was like a brother to me, he was killed. And uh, he was 24. And so I just figured probably by the time I'm 24, I'm done, you know. And um, finally, the Lord got a hold of me and showed me that, no, that's a lie. And that He has things for me to do. And therein lies the reason for a long life. There's things for you to do. And when you're done, 
go on home. It's okay. But as long as there's things for you to do, then we should keep working. Stay here. So what's reason number 25? Well, he promised us long life. Let's go to Psalms 91. Psalm 91. How many of you, this is one of your favorite psalms? Yeah, such a powerful psalm. It'll get you through pandemics. It'll get you through all kinds of tight situations. Psalm 91, and let's look down in about verse 15. It says, When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. Now, this is the Lord speaking here. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Some translations say, and you will see my salvation. Or I will be showing you my salvation. See, if you're going to live a long life, you're going to have to experience his salvation again and again and again. You know, you can walk in divine health, yet the Word promises that many are the, the, the adversaries and many are the troubles that come to the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. So we're promised problems. So, so problems are going to come. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The ISV says it this way, I will satisfy him with long life. I will show him my deliverance. How many have already experienced deliverance? Yeah. Delivered from things that would kill you. So I have a question. How long is long? How long? What can we believe for? That's right. Till you're satisfied. I will satisfy you with long life. And there's so much wrong teaching on this subject and wrong thinking. I mean, we really do need to have mind renewal on this subject because a lot of verses get quoted but, but misquoted about length of life and, and how long a person can live and all these things. And, and they get said in a way that are just the gospel truth, you know. And when you look at it and you look at Scripture, you realize, no, that's not true at all. We actually have promises that say something different. So how long is long? Let's go back to Psalm 90. Some people like to use this psalm and in verse 10 where he says, Our lives last 70 years, or if we are strong, 80 years. So our lives last 70 years, or if by reason of strength, 80 years. So, you know, that's what the Word says, so therefore we should believe for 70 or 80 years. Well, the only problem with that is this is not a promise for us to take a hold of. This is actually a complaint. Psalm 90 is a psalm of Moses. David didn't write this. Moses did. And the context is, is they're out there wandering around in the wilderness, the children of Israel, and they've got 40 years till they all die off, except for Caleb and Joshua, right? They're the only two that were over 20 years old that made it through. They were 40. So, or Caleb was, he was 40, and then he was 80 when they went into the land of Canaan. But Moses wrote Psalm 90 because he was, it was a complaint about what's happening to us. This is not a promise that we take a hold of and go, oh, yay, I'm going to live at least 80 years. Well, that's great, but use a different scripture then. Because if you're cursed, you'll live to 70 or 80 years, is what it's saying. 
Let's back up a little bit and let's look in. Let's just go up to like verse 4. Or verse 3. You return mankind to the dust, saying, return, descendants of Adam. Well, we came from dust, and to dust we will return, is what Scripture does say. In verse 4, for in your sight a thousand years are like yesterday. That passes by like a few hours of the night. Well, Peter quotes this. Remember when Peter said this over in uh, 2 Peter 3, 8, and 9. I'll read it to you. It says, Dear friends, don't let this one thing escape you. So don't let this slip by you. Understand this. Again, I said we need mind renewal on the, these things. Well, don't let this get by you, he says. With the Lord, one day is like 1,000 years. And a thousand years like one day. The Lord does not delay His promise, talking about His promise to return, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. This is why the Lord's still waiting. Because He doesn't want those people to perish. So His mercies are new every morning. That's what we were talking about earlier. Because of those mercies, He continues to wait. As we go out and do our work, as long as the salt remains salty, it will preserve the earth. And so we go out and and we be the salt of the earth. Well, what is, if, if to the Lord a thousand years is like one day, did a little bit of math here, because I asked the question, how long is long? So one hour is about 40 41.66 years to the Lord. 41 years to the Lord, one hour. So two hours and you're 83. A minute is like seven months to the Lord. Man, I've been praying for this for months. How long? Oh, two minutes. (laughs) See, I said we need mind renewal. And we need to begin to see as the Lord sees in time. We're inside of time, so we see everything with the parameters of time. The Lord's outside of time, so He sees it much differently than we. But there's many things that we can't see without His divine revelation, right? So let's get more divine revelation on seeing time as He sees it. Seeing that, man, this little blip that happens here is such a short thing as far as what's going to happen in our lives. Our lives are much longer and further than the little part where we were back there in that broken down earth. Right? All right, back in Psalm 90, let's go down and look at verse 7. For we are consumed by your anger, Moses is saying to the Lord. We are terrified by your wrath. You have set our unjust ways before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days ebb away under your wrath, and we end our years like a sigh. Wow. Is, is he talking about a people that are walking in the blessing and protection of God? No. He's not talking about that. He's talking about people that are cursed because of sin. And then comes verse 10. It says, our lives last 70 years, or if we're strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. See, 70 and 80 years was considered short because of wrath. It was considered short because of the Lord's anger, because of the Lord's judgment. 70 and 80 years wasn't something that Moses is celebrating. Just so that you are real clear on the context here, I'm going to read to you Numbers 14, a few verses. 
Tell them, as surely as I live, this is the Lord's declaration. I will do to you exactly as I heard you say. Now remember, they were going to go into the land of Canaan. They sent in the spies. Spies come back. And, and ten of them have a bad report, an evil report. Jacob, uh, Jacob uh, Caleb and Joshua were the only ones that were like, no, we can do this. And everyone else said, nope, they're giants. We're not going to be able to do this. So they murmured against Moses and decided we're not going in. Well, at that point is when Moses says, well, the Lord says you're right. Just like you said, you're not going in. And then they tried to actually go in. Oh, okay, we blew it. We're going now. And it was too late. And so they tried to go up and they were routed. And so then they ended up going back to to the wilderness. Well, this is what he says in that. He says, as surely as I live, this is the Lord's declaration. I will do to you exactly as I heard you say. Your corpses will fall in this wilderness. All of you who were registered in the census, the entire number of you, 20 years old or more, because you have complained about me. I swear that none of you will enter the land I promised to settle you in except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. I will bring your children whom you said would become plunder into the land you rejected and they will enjoy it. But as for you, your corpses will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years and bear the penalty for your acts of unfaithfulness until all your corpses lie scattered in the wilderness. You will bear the consequences of your sins 40 years based on the number of the 40 days that you scouted the land. A year for each day. You will know my displeasure. I, Yahweh, have spoken. I swear that I will do this to the entire evil community that has conspired against me. They will come to an end in the wilderness, and there they will die. That's the context for Moses writing Psalm 90. Okay, so that verse doesn't apply to us living a long life. I mean, surely we can live 70 or 80 years even if we're cursed, I guess. So there's that. Then I hear people use other scripture in Genesis chapter 6. Let's go over there. Uh, and saying that this is where the Lord set the days of man. And so this is how long we can live. So Genesis 6 verse 3 says this. And the Lord said, now this is before the flood, okay? Before he had his conversation with Noah. And the Lord said, my spirit will not remain with mankind forever because they are corrupt. Their days will be 120 years. Now, I have heard Word of Faith ministers even preach and speak and teach on this and say that that is the limit of a human's lifespan. That the Lord was setting the number of our days to be 120 days, and so that's what you can believe God for and nothing more. Well, that's not true. It's just simply not true. Go look at the context. It was the Lord was judging the earth, and He said it's going to be 120 days, until judgment comes. hundred I mean, 120 years until judgment comes. It wasn't like this, I'm setting the boundary of man's life for the rest of forever. He was saying, you guys have 120 years until this place is all going bubble, bubble, bubble. Underwater. Judged. And with the Lord's mercies as, as new as they are every morning, if they would have repented, that flood probably never would have happened. How many know? I mean, like Nineveh, you're going to be destroyed in 40 days. And they repented and they weren't destroyed. And so he gave them 120 years to repent. And they did not. 
I mean, just think it through a little bit. So prior to the flood, people were living 800 years old to 969 years old. Yeah, that's, Gene, you got a ways to go. What, two or three hundred years? That was before the flood, but then after the flood, after the Lord said 120 years is going to be the number. <laughs> I can show you he wasn't talking about how old they can be. He was talking about how long till judgment. Because 120 years later now, the flood has happened, and Noah lives another 350 years. After the 120 years that he said that. His son Shem lived 500 years after the flood. So maybe the Lord was just having trouble getting people's age down. He, he, you know, I said 120 years, but they're, they're just living anyway. You know, it took a while for him to get things working. And it shut off at 120 years. Listen to this. After the flood, these are all people born after the flood. So it's, because some people go, yeah, but that was Noah and Shem, and they were before the flood, and so they carried over the long life from before. Okay, okay. Well, let's just go to people after the flood then. After he said this 120 years part. Our Peshad, now he's Shem's son. He was born after the flood. He lived 438 years. His son, Shelah, lived 433 years. Shelah's son, Eber, lived 464 years. He had a son, named him Peleg. An interesting name, I know. He lived 239 years, and then he had a son that also lived 239 years, named Ryu. Well, Ryu, he had a son named Serug. 230 years is how long he lived. His son, Nahor, lived 148 years. Nahor's son, Terah, now this is Abraham's dad, he lived 275 years. Abraham lived 175 years. His wife, Sarah, lived 127 years. All of these are longer than 120 years. Isaac, he lived 180 years. And then Jacob, he lived 147 years. So, clearly 120 is not the length of life that the Lord was setting for mankind. Rather, it was the number of years until judgment was going to come. Did you know that there are over 90,000 people living in the United States that are 100 plus years old? Uh, over 100. 100 or more. 90,000 people in the United States alone. They're, they call them uh, cent centennials or centenarians, centenarians, something like that. And then there's this whole group that they call super centenarians. And they're 110 plus years old. And um, they're the, currently the oldest person alive that they know of is a 118 years old lady in Japan. Now, there was a lady named Jean, <laughs> I'm going to read some of these to you, Jeannie Louise Calment. She died at 122 years old in 1997. She was out of France, and she took up fencing when she was 85 years old. It's like Paul, right? Pick up a new sport at 85 years, or, or like Robin back there. She rode her bicycle into her hundreds. 
She's the oldest actress because she played herself in a story about her life when she was 114 years old. <laughs> Listen to this. This is funny, I think. In 1965, she's 90 years old. Most people think, okay, at 90, you have a couple years maybe, right? At 90 years old now, her daughter, she has no descendants left. So her daughter has died, her granddaughter has died. And so since she doesn't have any heir to pass along her apartment to, she signed a life estate contract on her apartment with notary public Andre Francos Rafre, selling the property in exchange for right of occupancy, so she's allowed to stay there, and a monthly revenue of 2,500 francs until her death. So he's going to pay her 2,500 francs per month, and once she dies, the apartment's his. I see some of you know math. So the guy she signed this with, he died in 1995. <laughs> By which time, Jeannie had received more than double the apartment's value from him, and his family had to continue making payments. She commented on the situation when someone asked her about it, and she smiled and she said, in life, one sometimes makes bad deals. <laughs> she finally, at the age of 110, she moved into um, a nursing home, but she had lived on her own until, by herself until she was 110 years old. Man, I wonder what kind of vitamins she took. She probably only ate vegetables, huh? Just brisket. Listen to this. She smoked. She drank. She played with guns. She ate excessive amounts of sugar and red meat, the brisket. She never ate breakfast save for a cup or two of coffee. I read that a study recently that was talking about if you drink a lot of coffee, that it makes you live longer. I was like, yeah. I probably have two or three hundred years then. No, that's not true. It's probably longer than that the amount of coffee I drink. <laughs> okay, check this out. Every day in her old age, roughly from about the age 85 onward, she would wake up at 6.45 a.m. and start her day with prayer. Then she'd sit in her armchair and do gymnastics while wearing headphones, which included arm and leg exercises and finger flexing. I mean, remember that, you know, she's lived most of her life when there wasn't the technology of headphones. This is a pretty cool thing. So she's like, don't tell me you can't Teach someone old, new things, right? She's doing it. I mean, Jean uses a cell phone. <laughs> so she does these gymnastics while wearing headphones, which include arm and leg exercises and finger flexing. Then she'd shower without help from her caretakers and finish getting ready by dousing her body in olive oil. For lunch, she'd have braised brief, eschewing the healthier fish options, and a cigarette with a glass of port. She often complained about her bland foods and frequently requested fried and spicy foods. Until she was 116 years old, she'd finish all meals with a dessert, usually eating about two pounds of chocolate per week. Coffee and chocolate, I'm telling you. 
diet changes happening all across the house. <laughs> you know, there's people that have done all... I, I've laughed because almost every time that I see someone that's really old and I, I like to read about them, you know how often they say, oh, I drink a glass of whiskey every day or they, you know, something ridiculous. And it's like, you know, that, you know, that's not why they lived long. But people attribute, I mean, people will try to eat healthy to live long. I am not disparaging us taking care of the body that the Lord gave us and treating it right, being good stewards of what the Lord gave us. However, that is not your ticket to longevity. We can't put our faith in those things. Let's hear about another guy. This, I like this guy. He was called Grandpa Goto. And uh, Sadamedjo is his name. He's out of Indonesia. Now, he died in 2017. At the ripe old age of 146 years old. He was born in 1870. Now, he is not listed as the oldest person in Wikipedia because Indonesia only started keeping birth records in 1900. But the government of Indonesia declares that the paperwork that he does have is legit and that he really was 146 years old. Listen to this. He was a heavy smoker all the way until the end. He was married four different times. He outlived all four wives. He had ten siblings. He outlived all of them, of course. He outlived all of his children. Listen, if you're going to believe God for long life, you're going to go to a lot of funerals. Just know that. If I'm going to believe God for long life, a lot of the people that I know now are going to be gone and I'm still going on. So I'm going to ask again, how long is long? Let me ask you this. How long will you choose? See, the lie about there being a set time and date for every person to die. I grew up believing that. I, it brought me a lot of comfort, this lie. Because I can do stupid things. And it's not going to kill me if it's not my time to go. See? I drive 200 mile an hour down the mountain road. Doesn't matter. If it's not my time to go, I'm not going to die. And there was always in the back part of my mind, yeah, but I could like be paralyzed the rest of my life. Don't want that. So I've got to be a little careful. But like, there's nothing you can do. When your number's up, there's, it doesn't matter if you're sleeping in your bed or skydiving. So you might as well just live life full out. That was what I thought. And a lot of people believe this lie, that there is a set time for you to die. And they'll quote Bible verses, we're going to read them a little bit later, and we're going to look at them and bring, bring correction to what the verses are actually saying, to the teaching. You ever hear, hear these statements that when it's your time to go, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're still going? If that was true, that there was a set hour, a set time, a set minute, that you're going to die, then all the scriptures about you lengthening your days or adding years to your life would not be true. So if that statement is true, then the scriptures aren't true. Or if those scriptures are true, then that statement is not true. It can't be both. But there is truth. How many know there is truth? Listen to these scriptures about prolonging your days. Proverbs 9, 10, and 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by wisdom your days will be many. Someone say many. many. 
And years will be added to your life. Years added to your life if you'll just walk in wisdom. More chocolate, more coffee. <laughs> Proverbs 3, 1 and 2 says this, My son, don't forget my teaching, but let, you, let your heart keep my commands. Someone say, my heart keeps your commands. For they, the commands, the word, they will bring you many days, a full life and well-being. Full life, not short life, full life. Proverbs 4, verse 10, listen, my son, accept my words and you will live many years, many years. Proverbs 10, 27, the fear of the Lord prolongs life. Well, how can your life be prolonged if there's a set time that you're going to die? So apparently there's not a set time that you're going to die. The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. We'll come back to that one in a bit. Proverbs 28.16, a leader who lacks understanding is very oppressive, but one who hates unjust gain prolongs his life. There it is again. A way to lengthen your life. See, this, one of the scriptures that people have misquoted is found in Hebrews chapter 9, verse tw- uh, 27. It says, it is appointed unto men once to die. And so people will quote that and go, oh, there's an appointed time for you to die. The, the, the verse says this, and just as it is appointed for people to die once and after this judgment, the ISV reads this way, indeed, just as people are destined to die once, or one time you could say, and after that to be judged. This is not an issue of when, the timing of your death. This is an issue that you will die once. Once. I mean, the only people that are not going to experience death are the people that are going to be alive at the return of Jesus Christ. It says they will just be changed in a twinkling. They're not going to go through that death process. But everyone else, all of us, sooner or later, even if you stretch it out to two or three hundred years because you ate enough coffee and drank enough chocolate or whatever, <laughs> one way or the other, right? So you stretch it out a couple hundred years, eventually you're going to be up here in the coffin and people are going to be having your funeral. And this is one of the things that I should just quickly go over is we do not need to be afraid to die. A lot of people are afraid of death. Well, partially because they've never done it before, right? It's something new. They don't know what's on the other side. I haven't been there. But for you and I, because we have the good news about what's on the other side, we can confidently cross that gap and Paul said to die is gain, not loss, gain. To die is gain. Now, of course, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and you die, that would be loss. More misquoted scriptures, people will say, I hear this one a lot. Um, not, not in this house, just from family and relatives and things. Um, you know, nobody's promised tomorrow. No, no one's promised tomorrow. You know, live ready, nobody's promised tomorrow. You might not be, but I am. Why would I say that? Well, you also have promises for tomorrow. But you have to take a hold of them, right? You have to take a hold of them. And we're going to look at some of those promises. Here's one of the verses that they'll quote when they say that. 
In Proverbs 27.1, it says, Don't boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what a day might bring. Don't boast about tomorrow. You don't know what the day's going to hold. James 4, let's go over there, because it's quoted in James 4 as well. Someone say, long life belongs to me. In James chapter 4, let's go um, I'm, at verse 13, he, he says, Come now, you who say to today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are a bit of smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Because see, we're not sure if the Lord wills that we live. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And people will read those verses as standalone verses and they get misled about, oh, see, we're not promised tomorrow. We shouldn't be, we shouldn't be making plans for tomorrow. When that's not at all what he was saying. How many know it's important to take in context Scripture? So back up to the beginning of the chapter. And you find context for this statement that he made. Beginning of the chapter, he asks a question. Verse 1, what is the source of the wars and the fights among you? Question. Then he asks a rhetorical question. Don't they come from the cravings that are at war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You do not have because you do not ask. And you, you ask and don't receive because you ask wrongly so that you may spend it on your desires for pleasure. Adulteresses. Man, he has given them the what for. He is bringing strong correction to them. And, and they are, they're full of pride. They're full of selfishness. They're full of love of the world. And this is the issue that he is addressing. Let's keep looking. Verse 4, Adultery says, Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. Or do you think it's without reason the Scripture says that the Spirit He has caused to live in us yearns jealously? Verse 6, But He gives greater grace, therefore He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now He's quoting Scripture to them that they knew. God resists the proud. If you're proud, God fights against you. Who wants to take on that fight? No, right? So if you're proud, God resists you. But if you're humble, He helps you. He gives you grace. Here's why He says in verse 7, Therefore, that's how He says it, Submit yourselves to God. So there's the answer to their issue. Submitting to the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That comes only after submission to God. Because you now stand in his authority. Verse 8. Here it is again. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded people. He is giving them the what for about what they were doing. Full of pride, full of selfishness, and in strife, in fighting, because they have the love of the world in them. Pride usually boasts, doesn't it? It also usually finds fault. The next couple verses he talks about stop criticizing each other. Finding fault with each other. And then he makes it down to verse 13, which we already read. 
Come now, you who say. See, this was their arrogant, proud statement that they were making. Today or tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What your life will be. For you are a bit of smoke that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills. See, they're not even checking to see what is God's will for me to do tomorrow or next year. They're speaking out of their own will and their own desires, their own pride, their own selfishness. If they would stop, and that's what he's telling them to do, is ask the Lord. Find out. See, we're told in Scripture that we're supposed to know what the will of the Lord is. Don't be foolish, but know what the will of the Lord is. That's in Ephesians. And in Romans 12, what does it say? We need to have a renewed mind so that we can know the will of the Lord, the good, the pleasing, the perfect will of God. That's why we have a renewed mind, so we can know those things. And if you know God's will, would it be right for you to state His will? If you know it's God's will for you to go next year to Iraq, then you're going to say, you know what, next year I'm going to Iraq. I believe it's the Lord's will. Because you're not speaking from your own desire or your own will, you're speaking what He wills. You're claiming His promise. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. The point is they were not recognizing what God's will was in it. They were just looking at their own. That's the point that he's making. And he speaks again of their arrogance. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. See, it was a pride issue. All such boasting is evil. Find out his will for you and then boldly carry it out. Listen to this scripture out of Ecclesiastes more misquoted scriptures, people say, well, Ecclesiastes says there's a time to die. Time to die, time to be born. True, it does. This is what it actually says. To everything there is a season. Everyone say season. That's an important word. A time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted. So there is a season to die. Not a day to die. A season is a length of time. You know, in the same way that you can lengthen your life, you can also shorten it. People commit suicide. Is that God's will? No. People do stupid things and die all the time. And then people excuse it by saying, well, that was just their time to go. Really? It's like one guy said in a safety meeting, um, they were talking about how that, you know, they, they weren't, the company, the mill, was not real particular about their safety rules, and they were having a lot of accidents and a lot of death. The safety officer that came in to oversee operations and make sure they start following the rules was telling them that they need to get in line with their rules, and the one fellow said, well, we don't do that because we just believe God, and that if it's our time to go, we're going to go. It's not going to matter. And the guy said, well, that may be the case. But I find that the more they follow these safety rules, God takes less of them. What's my point? My point is, is you can shorten your life. Um, Job 5.26 says this, You shall come to the grave at a full age as a sheaf of grain ripens in its season. There it is again. In its season. Ecclesiastes 7.17 Don't be excessively wicked and don't be foolish. Why should you die before your time or before your season? That word also means season, time. 
Why should you die before your time? Be dying early. Psalms 55.23 says, Men of bloodshed and treachery will not live out half their days. Half of them. Talking about your life being cut short. Proverbs 10.27, The fear of the Lord prolongs life, but the years of the wicked are cut short. So I ask again, how long will you choose? Why do I keep asking as though you get to choose when you are going to go or not? As if that's a choice you make. I'm glad you asked because I'm going to answer that from the Word. Let's go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1. And Paul is writing this letter to the Philippian church and he is in prison. He's writing from prison. He's in chains. And if you'll look up in about verse 7, he said, It is right for me to think this way about all of you because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and establishment of the gospel. I just read that verse to to show you he's in prison. Now, if you go down to verse 12, now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the advancement of the gospel. Isn't that just exactly how the Lord works? What the enemy means for harm, he is able to turn it and bring good out of it. So what they did that was supposed to stop the gospel actually advanced the gospel. Verse 13, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. Most of the brothers in the Lord have gained confidence from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the message fearlessly. Did you know your stand of boldness is contagious? Your stand of boldness will affect others and they'll stand too. That's what he said happened here. Verse 15, Some, to be sure, preach Christ out of envy and strife, but others out of good will. These do so out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, seeking to cause me trouble in my imprisonment. There was people out there preaching the gospel just trying to cause him problems. Isn't that amazing? You mean there'd be insincere preachers? Yeah, not much has changed. Let's go on. What is it, what's his response to that in verse 18? What does it matter? <laughs> Just that in every way, whether out of false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. In this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice because I know that this will lead to my deliverance through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now as always, with all boldness, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, for me, to live is Christ. Paul is speaking of himself. So for Paul to stay alive is Christ, and to die is gain. Remember we said that earlier tonight? To die is gain. Why is it gain? Well, when you're... It's a huge gain for you, right? Because you're out of this weak, broken down earth and body and you're with Christ. And so, man, that's a huge gain for you. But Paul said to live, for him to live is to serve Christ. For him to live is to work for Christ. For him to live is to further the ministry that Christ started. That's the purpose of living longer. So he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. 
And I don't know which one I should choose. I am pressured by both. I have the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. What is Paul saying? He's saying, I don't know which one to choose. You know, if I live, it's serving Christ and it's good for you. But if I die, it's gain for me and that's a lot better. Which one should I choose? I don't know which to choose. Verse 25, since I am persuaded of this, of what? That it's necessary for me to remain for you in the flesh. Since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your advancement and joy in the faith, so that because of me your confidence may grow in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. If you go over to chapter 22, or chapter 2, you'll see verses 23 and 24, we see that he did go on, that he didn't die in that imprisonment. In verse 23 it says, Therefore I hope to send him, talking about um, Timothy, I'm going to send him, as soon as I see how things go with me, and I am convinced in the Lord, now he's still in prison, I am convinced in the Lord that I myself will also come quickly. So which did Paul choose? And if you go on and look at at the rest of Paul's life, you know that he did go and he did travel and he went on more trips. And so he chose Christ to serve Christ. He chose longer life to be able to serve, continue, continue to serve. Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, all those great men and women of faith. And then he comes down in verse 32 and he begins to make a list of a bunch of people. He says, we don't have time to talk about all of them and how they did all these amazing things. And in verse 35 he says, women received their dead raised to life again. Some men were tortured, not accepting release, so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some men didn't accept their release. Why? Because they wanted that better part, the better resurrection. And in Revelations, we see that the martyrs actually do have a better resurrection, that there's rewards in that for being martyred. And so some of these people were like, they chose not to be released for that better resurrection. They had a choice to make. But isn't this completely contrary to how we grow up thinking? Set time and date. Because most of us will immediately look at so-and-so who we know. Well, they were godly. They loved the Lord and they died at 60 years old. We can't speak for them. But what we can speak to is the promise that you and I have. And if you're still alive, then you can still put your faith to that promise. I'm not going to try to answer on why they did or didn't go home early. 2 Timothy Chapter 4. What are we doing? We are looking at reason number 25 that we believe God wants to heal everyone is because He's promised us long life. That means you're going to need to be healed sometimes. 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 and 7. Paul is now later in his ministry, and he is writing to Timothy now. And he says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. He's talking about going to be with the Lord. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Do you see that here? He recognizes that he's finished. He's getting real close to finished. 
that I've done what I was supposed to do. I've fulfilled what the Lord gave me to do. And I'm complete. I'm satisfied. I'm ready to go on to my reward. I've fought the good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my race. Did Paul choose? Does everyone see that clearly? Paul made a choice. <clears throat> I talked about Moses earlier. This is, this is the way it says it about Moses. It says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. The easy to read version says it this way. He was 120 years old when he died. He was as strong as ever and his eyes were still good. So would you like to know how to live long and strong? Four of you. Okay, the rest of you can go home. And those four, you stay and I'll teach you how. How to live long and strong. Go with me over to Joshua 14. Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6. <clears throat> this is about Caleb. Now, Caleb was one of the spies that had gone into the land. And he'd come back and he gave them a good report. But now... Forty years after them being in the wilderness and all the other people dying off, Caleb is now 80 years old, and, um, or actually 85, I guess. And in verse 6, it says, The descendants of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenzite, said to him, this is, what, this is what Caleb said to Joshua, who is their leader, you know what the Lord promised Moses, the man of God, at Kadesh Barnea about me and you. I was 40 years old when Moses, the Lord's servant, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to scout the land, and I brought back an honest report. My brothers who went with me caused the people's hearts to melt with fear, but I remained loyal to the Lord my God. On that day, Moses promised me, the land where you have set your foot will be an inheritance for you. In other words, the land you scouted out is going to be an inheritance for you. And your descendants forever, because you have remained loyal to the Lord my God. Here's how you live long. Kept his eyes on the promise. Remained loyal to the Lord. What does loyalty mean? It means he lived right. He obeyed the Lord. And if he messed up somewhere, he came right back in line. And in doing these two things, he qualified for what was coming next. As you see in verse 10, As you see, the Lord has kept me alive these 45 years as He promised. Since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel was journeying in the wilderness, here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was the day Moses sent me out when he was 40. My strength for battle and for daily tasks is now as it was then. Now give me this hill country the Lord promised me on that day because you heard then that the Anakim, they were the giants, are there as well as large fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord promised. Still has his eyes on the promise. Still is believing God. Still is willing to step out in faith. You mean an 85-year-old guy is going to go to war against giants? Suddenly it makes David look with better odds, right? Little young lad David, 16 years old, fighting a giant. He's at least 16 and nimble and can maybe run away. But an 85-year-old, well, he's as good as 40. 
And, and in chapter 15, in verse 14, you'll see how it says Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak. It names them and the descendants of Anak. So the giants and their descendants, he drove them out. Doesn't this sound a whole lot like the scriptures I read in the beginning, Psalms 91, 14 through 16? Where it says, because he is lovingly devoted to me, I will deliver him. I will exalt him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Doesn't this sound, this is like describing Caleb. He'd done all these things. He was lovingly devoted to the Lord. And the Lord satisfied him and gave him, renewed his strength. Here's some more verses for how to live long and strong. By wisdom. I think I already read the Scripture. I'm going to read it again. Out of Proverbs 9, 10, and 11. I'm just going to read a number of them to you here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So, the fear of the Lord. That's, that's the start of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by wisdom your days will be many and years will be added to your life. Proverbs 3.13, happy is a man who finds wisdom, who acquires understanding. And then it goes on in, in verses 16, because wisdom is the context and understanding. It says, long life is in her hand, in wisdom's hand, and in her left, riches and honor. So long life, riches and honor, all in wisdom. How important is wisdom? Her ways are pleasant and all her paths peaceful. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her and those who hold on to her are happy. In Isaiah 65, it talks about a time that is coming where no infant is going to die an infant. And it talks about how that there's no old man who's not going to live out all his years. And it goes on and it says this, he says, The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. And then Psalms 34, verses 12 through 16. Now Peter quotes this in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3, he quotes it. These are new covenant promises because they're also over in our new covenant. Peter used them, alright? This is what he said. Who is the man, this is in Psalm 34, 12, 16. Who is the man who delights in life, loving a long life? Everyone say long life. life. To enjoy what is good. So this is the question. He's asking, who enjoys long life and good? Let's see, raise a hand. Who enjoys long life and to enjoy what's good? Tell me you had two hands up. I like it. Keep your, here's how. Remember, I said I'm going to tell you how to live long and strong. I'm just going to read verses to you. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Turn away from evil and do what is good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and His ears are open to their cry for help. The face of the Lord is set against those who do what is evil to erase all memory of them from the earth. So if you want to live a long life and enjoy what's good, keep a seal on your lips. Speak what's good. Speak the promises. Don't curse yourself with your mouth. Turn away from evil. Do what's good. Seek peace. Pursue it. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Children, there's a promise for you. It's out of Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. 
But in Ephesians, this is New Covenant again. This promise comes through to the New Covenant. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise. So the Ten Commandments is the first one that has a promise in it. And that promise is this, that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. So children, doesn't matter if you're one or a hundred or 146, like that guy in Indonesia, you're still a children. You may or may not have parents, but if they're alive, honor them, right? Honor them. Be honorable to them, and you'll have long life, and it will go good for you in the land. It's not too late. That's the point. That's the lie I'm dispelling. It's not too late. Some of you think it's too late. And some of you say, well, um, my parents are already dead, and I was horrible to them. Well, okay. So the beauty of the blood of Jesus removes all sin and removes that from your debt. And take a hold of His promises for a long life, and you qualify. They're yours. I said this in the beginning, what's the reason, what's the purpose of long life? Let's go to two places in Psalm, Psalm 23 and Psalm 145. And we are closing the sermon portion of our evening. Psalm 23, verse 3. Well, verse 1 starts, the context is, the Lord is my shepherd. Everyone say that. The Lord is my shepherd. So then that means you're acknowledging Him as your leader, as your shepherd, right? You're submitting to Him. And then He lists a bunch of benefits, but verse 3, He restores my soul. The, the Holman translates it, He renews my life. The literal translation to it is, He causes my life to return. He causes my life to return. Might you ever be in a situation that you need life to return? You know, there's a sickness in your body. You're half dead. Half dead isn't the same as all dead, okay? You still believe God and come out of half dead. He restores your life. He, he renews my life. He leads me. Now, why would He do that? Listen, He leads me along the right path for His name's sake. It's for His name's sake. The Lord's name is on the line. Will you take His promise? And glorify His name. Look at Psalm 145. The purpose of long life we're looking at. Psalm 145, look in verse 19. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. He hears their cry for help and saves them. If you're going to live a long time, you're probably going to need some saving from time to time. Verse 20. The Lord guards all those who love Him, but He destroys all the wicked. And now here's the result. My mouth, it's going to be a testimony and a praise. It says, my mouth will declare the Lord's praise. Let every living thing praise His holy name forever and ever. The purpose of your long life is to point to Jesus, not to the two pounds of chocolate that you eat every week. The purpose of your long life is to do the work that He puts you here to do. And as long as there's still work in front of you to do, then, then do it. If you're done, if you're satisfied and you're only 60 years old and you're going to like, I'm, I've done what the Lord assigned me to do and I want to go home, then go. But if you're not done, then believe for those promises and say, you know, I'm going to go the whole way. You know, David said, I go the way of all the earth. 
when he was preparing to die. And he, he got in the bed and died. Jacob did the same thing. And I'm going to die. And he pulled his feet up in the bed and the covers up and, I don't know, tucked him in and sent him on his way. He chose. Paul said to live as Christ. In other words, we have work to do. So reason number 25 that we believe that healing is the will of God for everyone is because He has promised us long life. Stand with me if you would. We're going to make some declarations about long life. How many want to live a long life? Okay, we're going to say some things to that. You know, Psalm 103 talks about some benefits. It says He forgives our sin. He heals our diseases. He crowns us with compassion and faithful love. He restores our youth. He restores our youth like the eagle. Let's just say this. I'll live a long, full life. He satisfies me with long life and shows me His salvation. He delivers me from evil. I'm claiming my full time. I'll not be denied. I'll not be robbed. Because greater is He who is in me than anything that comes against me. I am submitted to His will. I am submitted to His plans for my life. I will fight a good fight. I will finish my course. I will keep the faith. And I will live long on the earth. Because I trust in the Lord. He renews my youth. He forgives my sin. He heals all my diseases. He redeems my life from destruction. He crowns me with loving kindness. He satisfies me with goodness. He gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we believe it. We're grateful for your promises of long life. The Spirit of the Lord is present. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. And we are unable to have any sort of revelation at all except that the Spirit of Christ reveals it to us. So I'm going to pray over each one of us here and those listening by internet. I'm going to pray very specifically that the Lord would reveal by divine revelation, by illumination, His promises for you concerning long life. His promises for you concerning hitting the mark. His promises for you regarding the fear of the Lord, the wisdom of the Lord, the things that will prolong your life and the part that you have to play in it. I'm going to ask Him to reveal to you the lies that you've believed or agreed with concerning your time being cut short. And that when He reveals those to you, what you do with those is you repent. You reject them and you say, I cut that lie off. I no longer believe that. I believe the report of the Lord. And declare that in its place. 
So, Father, we, I lift every person here up to you, Father. I lift those up that are listening by internet. Lord, I ask you by divine revelation, by divine understanding, by di- your knowing, Father, that you would just come with revelation upon every person, that you would illuminate your word and promises, that you would give a clear, crystal clear understanding of your promises regarding your long life, the divine health that you would have for every person. Father, of our part in it, what we must do to walk it out. Lord, I ask that you would reveal your will, your plan, your purpose on these people's lives. Show it to them so that they can put their faith to accomplish it. I thank you for revealing this, Lord, in dreams, in visions. I thank you, Lord, that you reveal it to them by your Spirit on the inside, that you open up their eye to see it in the Word, that you open up our ears to hear it from the Word, to hear from the Spirit, to hear because we have ears to hear. Someone say, I have ears to hear, and I'm listening. So speak, Lord, we're listening. Reveal, show us, and we'll walk in it. And I thank you for it. I thank you, Lord, too, that you would reveal to us where we've agreed with the enemy, where we've believed lies, where we've set things in motion with our words about our life being cut short or our life being weak in our old age. I ask you to reveal it to us so that we can forsake those ways. Lord, we want to guard our mouth. Help us in this. Help us to speak out what's true and just. Speak out what's right and full of faith concerning our lives and our children. And I thank you for this, Lord. I believe that you have done this. I believe, Lord, that divine revelation is flowing right now. It will continue to flow this week as we go home. I thank you for it in Jesus' name and amen. Well, one way we love God is we love on one another, so do that as you go. Everyone's invited downstairs for a time of fellowship and finger food. Good evening, everyone. <laughs> so glad to see you all. Do you know that by showing up tonight, you have positioned yourself to minister to the Lord? Do you ever think about that? And to be ministered unto from the Lord just by showing up. I just think that's so wonderful. We get that opportunity to minister to the Lord and be ministered to. Wow, it's incredible. But I want to encourage you tonight in your worship time. In Acts 16, one of my favorite uh, stories in the book of Acts is Paul and Silas. They were beaten with many stripes. They were cast into the prison um, and then thrust into the inner prison and made their feet fast with chains all for talking about Jesus. But at midnight, everybody say midnight. There's something about midnight. 
<laughs> Paul and Silas prayed. Number one, they prayed. And number two, they sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. So it wasn't like they were whispering in themselves among all their pain. No, they were loud and boisterous and joyful, praising the Lord and thanking God. They knew whose, whose hands that they were in and their future. They had everything to be just grateful and joyful and rejoicing in, even though they were in a very bad situation. Look what happened. A suddenly, glory to God, suddenly God came on the scene with a great earthquake. So some earthquakes are really good. This was a good earthquake so that all the foundations of the prison was was shaken and all the doors, say all the doors, all the prisoners' doors were open and every band on every prisoner's was loosened. That is a miracle, total miracle. So all of this happened. The prisoner guy came out and, and got a light and he was trembling. I trembled too and fell down at Paul and Silas. What must we do to be saved, they said. And, and Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe what Jesus did for you. Believe that he is God and what he did for you. And they did. They believed Paul. They, they, that same hour, they came and they watched their stripes. They were all baptized. Everybody in the house was all baptized. What a great end to a story that started off in a very bad situation. But praise and prayers brought the suddenly of God. And guess what? God's going to do it over and over and over again for each and every one of us. When we respond according to the word of God and do what Paul and Silas did. Amen. So do you think praise is really important? Yes. Yeah. So let's all stand up as a family of God and let's give do praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. I searched the world, but it couldn't fail. empty praise and treasures that fade I never found you came along and put me back Jesus. All eyes on you tonight, Jesus. 
all hearts turn toward you tonight, Jesus. All glory is due your name. There is absolutely nothing impossible for you to do. So thank you in advance for what you're going to do tonight. In all of our lives, all who are here, represented in the family of God, our eyes are ever on you. Our hearts turn towards you. Have your way. Say that from your heart. Have your way in me. Have your way in me. Do what you will. Do what you will. I, I completely belong to you. To serve you, to love you, to honor you, to worship you, to praise you. You are King of kings, Lord of lords. Glory deserves, it is all yours. We just turn our praise to you tonight with grateful hearts and say thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for who you are and what you've done. We give you all the praise and glory. You're so honored and celebrated in this place tonight. Move as you will. Breathe on us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Be, be a good responder to the Lord tonight. I feel that in my spirit. The Lord is saying this right now. Be a good responder to him. Put your antennas up. You know, the Father sits on the throne and all his thoughts towards you are nothing but good. Good with an expected end, a good future. So his thoughts are always to bless you. But we've got to be good responders. Allow that. Allow the Lord to speak to you tonight and respond to him. He's looking for that response. So, Father, we just thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the atmosphere of miracles tonight. We give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Well, one way we love God is by what? Loving one another. So tell somebody next to you, I'm glad you're here, and I want you to know how much I love you and appreciate you. The children may be released and blessed as they go. Well, good evening, everyone. I trust you all had a good week. I know we did. We came from Florida, so <laughs> it was a good time. All right, well, we're going to prepare to return the tithe to the Lord this evening. So if you need a cash envelope, raise your hand. And also, if you're here as a visitor tonight, raise your hand. We'd like to give you a welcome Anyone here for the very first time? All right. So if you need your cash envelope, keep your hand up there. And we are going to return our tithes to the Lord. You know, he is so interested in blessing you. The Lord, God is a rewarder. He is not a taker. He's a giver. Um, Hebrews tells us that, that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And that's just a really important thing for us to have on the inside, that we understand this about the character of God. He's looking to bless you. He's looking to bless me. Um, I want to point out some scriptures, several scriptures, but in Matthew chapter 6, um, it says this, verses 3 and 4. It says, When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. I think it's important to point out that um, this is specifically giving alms. 
giving to the needy. So it's not when you are giving in others, different forms, different ways we can give. But in particular, this one, when you're giving to the needy, we don't raise it up in the air and say, you know, announce it all and all of that. Here's why. You know, the Lord's he's giving us instruction or he's pointing out this so we don't miss something. It says in verse 4, so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, why point that out unless he doesn't want you to miss out? He wants you to be able to receive the reward. Um, also, if you read through the chapter here, there's a couple of other areas in chapter or verse 6 and in verse 18. It says the same language about the Father rewarding you openly. If you're uh, doing this in secret, then he rewards you that, you, that he gives you your reward. And that's in regards to prayer and fasting. But he wouldn't say it like that if he didn't want you, he doesn't want you to miss it. He's showing us how to not miss our reward. If we want to experience God's best and receive the abundance that he desires for all of us, then we need to participate with him. We need to act on the laws he's set up. Um, a scripture on that in thinking of reward in Proverbs, over in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4, since we're talking of reward, says the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches, honor, and life. Again, he doesn't want us to miss out on the good things he would have for you. So he tells us how. Here's how you get this. Humility, the fear of the Lord. And, you know, in for our tithing, you know, there's reward in that. Again, he points out, you know, return the full tithe to the Lord. And what will he do? He'll open up the windows of heaven until there's no more need. The devourer is rebuked. So there is, he's looking to bless us. We just need to participate with him and act on his laws he has set up. So let's do that tonight. Take a hold of your tithe and let's return it to him. Father, we're so grateful to you that you're kind and that you want to bless us, that you want abundance for us. And we're just, we're thankful. We just ask you, Lord, to show us how we can please you more. We just give you access to our lives, to our things, to everything about us, Lord, that we could be a worker in your kingdom, that we could bring more into your kingdom through our resources. And so we just ask you to bless the tithes the people are giving to you and bless the people, meet every need that they may have. In Jesus' name, and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets. And the people will give it to the Lord. Maybe you're wondering <clears throat> why your five-year-olds are in here this evening. Well, we have a shortage in the... Uh, children's ministry tonight so we have no teachers to fill that classroom so if uh, anyone would feel like the Lord's put it in their heart to serve in that room uh, you can talk to Reba after the service but that is why we have no class tonight for the five-year-olds the five K's I wanted to point out that we have prayer here at the church Wednesdays um, in the morning and then at 9 and also in the evening. So if you can't make the morning one at 9, the doors will be open in the evening at 7. And also Saturdays before the service at 5. All right. Well, I'm going to have Troy come forward and he has some things to announce. But I, as he comes forward, can we give them a hand clap? They're having 30 years together on Monday, Rebecca and Troy. A great milestone.
Well, good evening. It's good to be here again. Um, as, as you remember, last time I was up here, I was telling you about the Ghana Initiative Gala and fundraiser. Um, all of you are invited, and uh, I'm hoping that you've at least considered it. But I thought that I should tell you a little bit more about the gala tonight than I did the last time. I will tell you that the last time I was up here, I felt as if it was the worst, the worst presentation I've ever made in my entire life. I really do. So I have to do a little bit better this evening. So this time, I'm telling you, the gala is going to be on the 16th of April. It's going to be here at the church, upstairs, and as I said, you're invited to be a part of that. There are several things that will take place. First of all, there will be a meal. Then the meal is completely free. You don't have to bring any money for the meal. Um, all you need to do is bring yourself and, and, and be hungry when you get here. The doors will open at 5.30, and the meal will start right around 6 o'clock. Uh, the meal will be prepared or is going to be prepared by Nicole, Nicole Berger, and her entourage of people that will be helping her. So that, that's a part, part of our um, church, and we're excited to, to, to see what God has in store. Actually, I'm a planner, so I already know what's in store as well. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about that. We're going to be at the gala having a, a fundraiser benefit auction. And some of the things that are up here, actually, this basket is one of them, will be for sale at the auction. And you, if you're interested, will have the opportunity to bid on it. So we'll have anything from baskets to, what did I write down here? Oh, hippos. Let me see if I can find a hippo. Yes. Two hippos. The, uh, uh, you, uh, you can bid on a train trip uh, over in Boyertown. There's a, a steam train that goes quite a number of miles, and we have gift certificates for things like that, all kinds of other activities, uh, meals out at different restaurants, and lots of different things. So there's something here for everybody, including a hippo, if you're interested in hippos. And there's a T-Rex as well, so uh, uh, either way. If you have any questions or would like to know any more about it, please don't hesitate to ask me, and I would gladly tell you what it's all about. There is a sign-up sheet in the back on the table, and uh, I, I hope that you at least consider taking the time to, to be a part of this, because it really is a lot of fun. Along with the benefit auction, we do raffles and have all kinds of prizes and do some games in the middle of it all, so it's, it's a great deal. Honey, did I miss anything? Yes. Yes. April the 3rd, if you, if, or, or whenever the next Sunday is. That would be great. So if you could sign up by next Sunday, that would be wonderful. The reason for that is because we have to make sure that we have the, the food for all of the people that are going to be here. And so if you and your spouse and or others would be interested, then make sure that you put the number down for that. Friends are available, or, pardon me, friends are allowed to be here too. So it doesn't have to just be somebody from our church. It can be anyone who is 16 years or older. Thank you so much. I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Any hippopotamus will do. You can do your Christmas shopping early. What are those, some cool baskets? You know that big one in the middle? I wanted to check to make sure there was no cobras in it, you know. It had a lid and everything. But that big one made me think of, uh, you know, the basket when, when Jesus, different times he fed large groups of people. 
thousands of people in the one time. They gathered all these baskets up, and it says, if you look at the original word, they were large hampers, not like a little hand basket, but large hampers like man-sized baskets. The same size of basket that they let Paul down over the wall in. So that gives you an idea of the abundance and, the, and, and how the Lord provided in that moment. Not just little lunch baskets, but like hampers. And where they got those out there, I don't know, but that's what was left over. And um, isn't the abundance of the Lord amazing? So we can come and we can uh, partner with Him in abundance. We're going to take the uh, mission offering here in just a moment. So if you need an envelope for your cash giving or want to give by credit card, you can raise your hand. Our ushers will bring an envelope to you. But because it's the last weekend of the month, we normally gather our missions offering on uh, that Saturday evening. And what we do is we take 100% of what you designate and we send it out to all the different places and missions that are out there. Now, you can, uh, all, the, all the different ones of you that have covenanted with missionaries to support them, this is one of the ways that you can get the money to them, and we'll send it to them. You can, in fact, uh, just this week we had a complete stranger donate some money to um, Grady Pickett out of Missouri online. And so uh, it doesn't matter if we know, we know you or not. We don't even need to know the missionaries where they're going. If you designate it to them, we'll send it to them and make sure it all gets there. You can make, them at, uh, make your checks out to CWI, but just designate where you want it to go. It can be the general mission fund. If it's blank, that's where we'll put it, and then it gets dispersed from there. So um, how many of you believe that we have work to do? Yeah. We're not here to enjoy the pleasures of life, even though we get to enjoy them, right? But that's not why we're here. The why goes much longer and deeper than that. The why goes through the centuries and all the way through eternity. You know, there, you and I are here because of 12 men that obeyed Jesus. And they sowed their lives and their finances and that church was born, and, and we're a part of that. And so what you and I do carries eternal consequences. Even though we're often so short-sighted and only see the now, immediate time, right? I want to also welcome uh, Dorothy, brand new little one in the house, Levi and Andrea, so congratulations. All right, take a hold of that. Um, this is also a fine time to give in advance to uh, the fundraiser that Troy was talking about or to any of the other places. So take a hold of, your, uh, of, of the offering and let's pray over it. Father, we present to you our finances, all that you have given to us and blessed us with, Lord. We want to be a part of what you're doing in the earth and We recognize this is one of the ways we can do it. So, Father, I'm asking that you would help us to recognize the places to give, the places to be a part of. I ask that you would give us wisdom in who we partner up with, that we might be completely and wholly in your will in this. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name and amen. Well, the ushers can... 
pass the baskets if they're back. And um, next week, if I remember, because I haven't always, I'll give you an update of what we have done this past month in the month of March into missions. Congratulations on 30 years, you two. I was like, it can't be 30 years. He's only like 45. <laughs> what, did he get married when he was 15? <clears throat> I have a book here called 10 Hours to Live. Many of you have probably read it. It's by our friend Brian Wills. And um, we have it in Spanish. We also have it in English. So if you have Spanish-speaking friends or relatives or neighbors that would be blessed by the book, you can find them down in the bookstore and um, as well as, of course, the English, the English books that uh, most of us can probably read a little better. So the question that I have for you, because I, honestly, in, in reading this book, if you haven't ever read it, I, I highly recommend it. It's the kind of book that you don't want to put down once you pick up. I mean, it's captivating. I mean, I cried with him. I laughed with him when I first read this book. It's an amazing book. And it has one of the simplest yet effective, I believe, steps on how to receive healing in the back of the book. About half of the book's is storing. The other half of it is on receiving healing in your life. So um, if you do not have this book and you would like a copy, raise your hand and I'll give this one to somebody right here, the nearest one. So for the rest of you, if you would like to receive free books, it might help if you'd sit real close up here somewhere. <laughs> I don't have to walk as far. It's not a promise, just an idea. How are you guys doing? Good? 